welcome to the Back to Back Films podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. I am Byron. Again? I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. He's no longer Jacob the host. Uh, felt good to be Keith last time. He's Jacob the co-host again. Yeah, God. Inferior <laughs> title. I got demoted. It's like being a, a co-producer on something. Uh, yeah. I was given my shot and I failed miserably. Co-producer is better than like line producer or associate producer. <laughs> That's right. true. That's true. You're like associate. a co-writer co is like a writer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're writing an associate is different. host today. Associate co-host. <laughs> Assistant to the associate co-host. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I'm back from Amsterdam where I did copious amounts of mushrooms and can barely remember the trip. I um, knew it. So, we knew it. Yeah, I've been listening to the last episode since obviously I was not a part of that one and uh yeah, you guys had some interesting things to say. It's like two children in a room when the parents leave. Like <laughs> uh, No, but it was Mama, good. Milk. Mama. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Come back. We need your help. Uh, oh, no, but it was good. It was good. I haven't finished the full episode just yet, but I'm like fifteen minutes, ten probably ten minutes um, from finishing it. So Nice. Uh, nice. It's interesting to hear about those movies, like, because I don't know anything about them and I didn't watch them. Um, so it's interesting to hear about the movies from a from ground zero perspective and just see like what we actually bring to the table cool, in terms cool. of well we, we hopefully we brought something oh definitely <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean there was a lot yeah, I learned a lot so it's nice to know that like Sweet. we are not we're, we're, I mean we kind of started off with the intent of being more teaching and informative I'm but it's good to know that like we're not really teaching but we are being informative right, right. like about it so oh yeah so that's uh we're definitely not certified good. teachers Sweet. no i might be though yeah. i applied to do like some like community college teaching oh so, sweet yeah Damn. oh so no we'll way see. that's good yeah come like september they said they'll get back to me in september when they're like gearing up for their oh, cool. uh winter processing and stuff so Sweet. yeah professional video 101 man oh hell sick. yeah that's yeah. sick so uh yeah but uh if anyone cares the trip was good it was a lot of fun saw oh, a lot no. of stuff um neither of us care <laughs> well i gave byron the rundown because he actually asked about it but you know i assume you didn't care i am care. curious i am curious uh, no the trip was good we saw a lot of stuff um ate like a bunch of food i tried you know things i wanted to try we tried all the various Amsterdam kind of experiences you would, you know, you, people kind of think of or what they talk about Amsterdam. Um, mm -hmm. We spent a day, we had a layover in Iceland, so we like rented a car, we went to the Blue Lagoon and we oh. drove into Reykjavik and just kind of meandered around that city. Um, completely different vibes, man. Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland has like two hundred thousand people or something like oh, the whole like, island yeah. itself is like three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand and then you go into amsterdam you're just like there's three hundred thousand people in this one square right now like <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit all of iceland could fit in this one fucking area um, but yeah we Dude, saw awesome. like it was cool yeah it was very refreshing it was nice to to see like you know just 
a different different lifestyle and different living and European living and stuff and it's unfortunate that we had to leave for sure <laughs> um, I would definitely if I could just move over there honestly um, and like it's cool because like we just happened to walk by like the film academy like the Netherlands film academy uh, just like dreaming man just like <laughs> we went to the oh that's what I didn't tell you too we went to the film museum the I E Y E film museum which is like a oh. really world renowned museum they do like multiple contests that uh if you win you get you get a featured exhibit there really oh that's a exposure um and so they we went so the exhibit exists is like there's a permanent and there's a temporary the permanent one is like really small it's like in one room that's where it was funny because uh in the history of it it goes through like each camera from the very beginning of like the the um the ones that spin, I can't remember what they're called, but they spin the thing and then you look in the slits uh, and it oh, looks like... Oh, a magic like lantern? The, mm, it's got a different name to it. It's but, the thing uh, with like the horse that's like spinning around. Yeah, if you spin it and look yeah. through the slits, it looks like it's it looks Zen, like it's animated. Zentrope? Zen, Zen it's trope? something like that. So it shows you like pre-film and how they got stuff to kind of be animated and um, there was like flip books, you know, like pictures of Charlie Chaplin and like each one would be a frame like oh, of cool. a movie and you'd flip it and it looked like he was doing stuff and like and then it goes all the way up until like modern cameras well the digital camera was funny because it was like you know talking about the rise of digital and then the example they used is Lars von Trier <laughs> and um one of his films whichever his dogma film was uh, the idiots yeah. Which one? The idiots. The idiots. Yeah. yeah. It was, and they were talking about the dogma movement and how and the, how he basically kind of like jumped on the digital train yeah. like right away. Um, Anthony Dodd Mantle changed the game really with digital mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, photography. So I thought that was hilarious since we brought up Von Trier quite that's, a bit. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And they had a cool like couple little booths where you could do this like film film quiz. It was like a ten oh, question cool. little little quiz, which is cool. And you can actually watch full movies in the booth. <laughs> wow. Like I booted up Playtime, like Jock T's Playtime, and it was the full runtime. Shit. And we could sit there and like and they had like twenty movies you could watch. It was wow. kind of crazy. So Whoa. and then uh the temporary exhibit was like the the I the the winners of the last three years of the I whatever contest. So they showed like they're all film, they're all like visual media film, Sweet. and but each person was like how they what they filmed was different and like this guy was had this this guy was like fucking what was his name Ben it's like Ben something um, he had this weird film he had this <laughs> variety of films yeah like all over he just filmed all different shit and like more documentary and style and like one of them was like he spent like this week or something filming this family it was like a parents and like three sons they were Scottish they live in the Scottish Highlands and like really isolated wow and it was weird because like it was in this like really uncrisp black and white and it was pan- and it was shot uh, anamorphic and oh, all cool. the kids were walking huh. around with these weird like African tribal masks and they were just like playing in trash and they were just like playing in fucking wood like playing with rocks and like cool it was weird and it just had this like it would like no music and just like sound from the oh, wow. just like the regular sound it was just it was weird dude it was like really creepy but it was like really mesmerizing wow that sounds really cool and this other yeah, guy named Bing Wang is a Chinese uh, like artist or whatever. 
had these films and he had like a really big room and he had two films in particular that were really interesting that were one of them was a 15 hour unbroken shot 15 hour (laughs) single shot of factory life in a factory in china wow and the other one was like a 14 hour uh it this one was not unbroken but it was 14 hours of uh chinese workers lives uh working on like uh oil rigs and stuff 14 hours and like that one each one had like four screens so that it was playing different parts of the movies at different times and it was just like it was weird and then he had this one film all it was was a static shot of this four meter by four meter room where this father and two sons shared the room and that's where they lived and it was just them he just filmed it what they did in that room like dad would work at night and come back and the kids would work during the day and like that's how they shared the bed and like this kid like when we were there the kid was just like watching this like i don't know like six inch by six inch tv and just like the other kid comes in just chill it's just like day in the life it was weird dude but it was so mesmerizing to watch and like it just kind of made me think like damn dude like this is experimental but like different yeah yeah you know like but it's also really real it's real yeah. exactly it's so weird yeah. dude it's, it's so how weird it's actually like really scary yeah <laughs> but it was kind of refreshing to like go there and see that and like i don't know the place was cool man it was really cool it's different awesome. it's just sounds completely awesome. different than here the uh um, so that horse thing that spins or whatever mm-hmm. that's called a zoetrope zoetrope yeah zoetrope that sounds right zoetrope yeah, like so, american zoetrope uh, francis ford coppola yeah exactly company. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So you were close when you said the like Xeno or something. Yeah. M- mosquito, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, no, it was cool. But I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking. We actually ended up watching the Wild Bunch while we were there just when oh, we were chilling. Cool. Oh uh, nice. So that was cool. Yeah. So um speaking of our main topic this week is the Very Western. <laughs> um but more specifically anti-hero kind of slash revisionist westerns which the revisionist part wasn't really intentional as much as the anti-hero part right. uh, but i'm glad we get to talk about both uh even though you guys talked about a western last week right because heaven's gate we did yeah. is a western which um, also is considered also a revisionist western mm-hmm. too, so. yeah so we'll get into <laughs> to what that is and just here in just a little bit so the first film is The Wild Bunch, released in 1969. Um, an aging group of outlaws look for one last big score as the, quote, traditional American West is disappearing around them. The Wild Bunch was written by, uh, I'm guessing Walton Green. I think I missed, I think I didn't type that out right. Um, Walton Green and Sam Peckinpah, and it was directed Wallen, by Peckinpah. Wallen Green. Oh, is it just Wallen? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I get, did get it right. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was directed by Sam Peckinpah. Uh, Lucian Ballard shot the film, and Lou Lombardo edited. It stars uh, William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, Robert Ryan, Edmund O'Brien, Warren Oates, and Ben Johnson, uh, among other people. Obviously, this is kind of an ensemble of a movie, so it's hard to fit everyone in. Mm-hmm. Um, our second film is High Plains Drifter, released in 1973. A gunfighting stranger comes to the small settlement of Lago and is hired to bring the townsfolk together in an attempt to hold off three outlaws who are on their way. 
Um, High Plains Drifter was written by Ernest Tidyman and it was directed by Clint Eastwood. Cinematography was by Bruce Surtees and editing was done by Ferris Webster. It stars Clint Eastwood, Verna Bloom, Marianna Hill, Mitchell Ryan, Jack King, Billy Curtis, Stefan Girash, and Jeffrey Lewis. Um, yeah. So I feel like we should kick it off by just talking about what an anti-hero is. Because I don't know if we've... I think we've brought it up, but I don't know how much we've actually touched on it. And I can't remember if we've covered a movie that is anti-hero. I guess Akira, kind of. Yeah. Because they're like a street gang. Um, um, but I can't think of a movie that we've covered that, yeah. that really touches on that. Off the top of my head. Because even that, that western we did with... Um, Sam Raimi's western. Oh, the it's quick and the really, dead. That wasn't really anti-hero. No, if I remember correctly. I mean, I could see a case being made for Apocalypse Now having an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, because he's not like yeah. he's not like some good dude. You know, he's right. not a he's a killer. Yeah, he's an assassin. Um, but he's also like not. Uh, Yojimbo, like he's like he's like nothing. Yeah, Yo-Jimbo. Oh, Yojimbo. Yeah, yeah. That's that was he, kind he would of an be, he'd be an anti-hero, I think. I guess you you could make the case that like a lot of Tarantino's characters are anti-heroes, yeah. especially Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But I mean, like, I guess you have to talk. We have to, like, what? So Jacob, you say that he's not really a hero. So like, does the film? I guess we got to figure out what a hero is. Because, like, there's the hero's journey, right? There's, like, a specific plot line that exists that's been refined and studied or whatever where, like, you know, someone comes from nothing, turns out they're special, they overcome every obstacle and defeat the The bad guy. The Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Well, like, I think a hero is just a protagonist. I think those are, like, pretty much the same thing when it comes to storytelling. But then that like would make a, the Apocalypse Now I, guy hero or anti-hero. Well, but I, I think like the root hero. So like, if if like there's anti-hero and then there's hero, but both of those are a protagonist. You know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, but so in that case, he could be an anti-hero then, because like you said that like he's not a hero really. But he is. We're a still talking about apocalypse now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he kind of. He's just like he doesn't. He's not like in really in charge of his story. Like I would say he's he's more. Oh, that's true. Anti-hero than hero, but that movie's like not a conventional. Yeah, that's true. He I, is kind I of pulled along by fate or something I mean, outside. I think the his only anti-hero qualities are that he killed the innocent people with the dog or whatever but even like he didn't kill them or i guess he killed one of them no but it's just the fact that he's uh his history of as a character is that he's a killer Cause he, yeah because he had done some serious shit that we yeah. never see in the movie exactly beforehand um, oh i don't th- i don't think that necessarily means anti-hero i think no no I anti-hero don't think so is like defined by the terms of the movie and not the person's past yeah and i also think that you know what i mean the ant anti-hero doesn't have to be like the opposite of a hero you know like oh uh, yeah yeah you know so that's interesting too um i'm looking through our list here of the movies we've covered 
Yeah, I think Yojimbo touches on it closer than anything. But I wouldn't... I've never heard of I mean, Yojimbo being him even, being um, anti-hero either. Dr. King Schultz uh, in Django Unchained, I think, would be oh, considered yeah. like an anti-hero. Oh, like, like almost all of Tarantino's. Yeah. He does yeah. a lot of anti-hero stuff. Except for Django. Whereas he's Jamie Foxx, he's more of a hero. Yeah, I was going to say, Django right. is like straight up like hero... Because he doesn't really do anything that's like morally gray, you know. Right. It's literally, you know, pun unintended, you know, black or white. You know what I mean? Right. His, his... But I mean, he does like kill people, but he's killing. But he's killing them like slave owners. Yeah. Like the people who like betrayed him. He doesn't kill anybody that's innocent in their right. uh, occupation. in that world <laughs> in that yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, so, it's like killing the uh, the bad guys. Like right. you're a hero for doing that. Yeah. So when it comes to Wikipedia's definition of anti-hero, it says it's a protagonist in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. So, I guess in that sense, yeah, Yojimbo would be. I mean, he's courageous, but he's yeah. obviously. I think he's yeah. he's work in the system i think there's a lot of um a lot of characters that are anti-heroes that are courageous i think there's less anti-heroes that aren't courageous but i think some that would be would be like casey affleck's character in the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford you know what i mean he because oh yeah he, he, he he's he, he's a fucking slime ball coward uh that has to work his way up to the assassination yeah. <laughs> um and uh so that that's always interesting um but yet he's kind of the anti-hero of the movie in this you know because he gets he gets the kill but he's not celebrated for it and it's not for like a good reason even though jesse james wasn't like necessarily a good guy Mm -hmm. but he wasn't all he wasn't all around a bad guy either so (laughs) so here it says a hero is a person or main character of a literary work who in the face of danger combats adversity through feats of ingenuity, bravery, or strength. I mean, obviously hero is a broad term, right? Like, it's... It's gonna be broad. Yeah. But, I mean, if you get a sense of that, I mean... Like the movie hero. What? (laughs) Like the movie hero. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a hero. Um, I mean... But I think, like, like the things that, like, make people anti-heroes are, like, the evil things they do and not necessarily and and why they do them is important so like even if they do something good but it's for evil reasons or or, you know or for selfish reasons you know then that's like an anti-hero or there's like like the hero that they're the anti-hero that like they they're what they're seeking revenge for say for example is, is it something good but they'll get there by any means possible oh yeah so they'll they'll do things that they wouldn't have necessarily have done if that terrible thing hadn't happened before right you know um it's only the revenge that allows them to to do what they have to do to get there right um which is also kind of like a circumstantial kind of hero almost you know what i mean mm-hmm. like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well, they're, they're they're maybe not necessarily forced into it but they're forced into it due to the choice that they made which is seeking revenge or doing a mission or you know what i mean right you guys do you guys think logan from wolverine do you think he's a anti-hero 
or a hero? I no, I'm sorry. I think Logan he's a, from from Logan from the movie I think, Logan. I think he's like an anti-hero. I think he's just a grungy hero because he doesn't do anything. He's still his code of ethics is still pretty clean. Like I guess it's true. Like yeah. even a small example is where he's like, you know, trying not to let the girl steal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like he he tries to buy everything. That's true. You know, he doesn't steal anything and he protects you know, he's a fucking caretaker, you know. I think I just think he's grungy. You know what yeah. I mean? But he has done terrible things though, right? He has done things. He's killed people, but not even the Logan. greatest of heroes have killed people. Like, you know, the greatest of heroes in film right. have all even though it might be PG or PG thirteen yeah. violence, it's still killing yeah. someone. But you I know? mean, like, um, didn't is it Wolverine that like doesn't he uh, like kill like innocents too, like, and that's what's part of the part that haunts him as he's older. I don't, I don't recall that from the earlier movies, but it's been a long time since I've seen those, so I'm okay. not sure if that was in an I, earlier film. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like baggage or what. I guess he does kill yeah. the people, but he is protecting his car. Right. I don't know. I don't consider an anti-hero. They're willing to protect something. Yeah, that's but it's usually themselves. Yeah. In this case, he yeah. he's always protecting someone else. Yeah. So to yeah. me, that's more heroic. Like to me, the quintessential antihero is like Riddick. Okay. Because he's like a criminal. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, he's in it for himself, um, and he's just kind of like, and you still kind of want to root for him yeah. because of the situations that he's put in. That's the thing about antiheroes is you're like, you're rooting for them even though they're doing stuff that's not So good. basically all the Fast and Furious movies, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> basically really, antiheroes, because they're, they're doing illegal shit, but yet yeah. you're rooting for them. Right. Um, I don't think any of them are, would be considered traditional heroes, heroes yeah. or protagonists. I mean, maybe Dwayne... Johnson would be the closest. He'd be, yeah, he's the, he, right, and he's, he's the antagonist, really, yeah. for a while. Um, um, but yeah, to me, Riddick is like the quintessential anti-hero, and then he, the way they tell a story is that he kind of does heroic stuff at the end, yeah. like he, he, that's his arc, that right, is that by the end of like Pitch Black, he's willing to kind of like, okay, I will sacrifice myself or whatever, yeah. or, or try to right. help you. That type of thing. I mean, it's funny because like the quintessential antihero for me would actually be Clint Eastwood. Yeah. In High Plains Drifter and like his spaghetti westerns. Dirty Harry too, oh, right? Sure. And Dirty Harry, yeah. 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 It's like Clint Eastwood, sixties and seventies antihero. He was like, oh the, yeah, the the face of the antihero for sure. Yeah. Um, I think so. I but think that was my first like exposure to the antihero. Even even like the Magnificent Seven. Um, those guys were all anti-heroes, you know? Yeah. Um, James Coburn and Steve McQueen and Yul Brenner, all those guys, um, based on, you know, Seven Samurai. Um, so there's so, something that's tied in with that. Uh, according to just a quick Google search, all I did was type famous anti-heroes. Google does that thing where they put the images in the list. Oh, nice. Um, the first thing on the list, Han Solo. <laughs> Interesting. Um, that makes sense. John Constantine. He's that's pretty qu- quintessential oh, in terms yeah. of antihero. Uh, Tony Montana, Travis Bickle. Okay. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Punisher. Yeah. I think a lot of people know the yeah. Punisher is, is an antihero. Um, oh, for sure. Travis um, Bickle, big time. Yeah. Chev Chelios from fucking Crank. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, Crank. Snake Plissken. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Seth Gecko from. Uh, 
uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. So that gives you an idea, kind of, of, you know, these are like the whatever popular, famous anti-heroes. Um, Odaisu from Old Boy. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that one makes sense. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. I mean, you definitely know when you see an anti-hero, I feel like. Like you just and cuz you know they're doing like, oh this is interesting. <laughs> this is Jack Sparrow. As yeah, an anti-hero. Is. Yeah, that's for he, sure. He's, he cuz he does everything that he does is for himself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's played off as comedy. It is, yeah. But it's still an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cuz he really only wants like women rum and and his own legacy you know that's yeah, all he cares right. about <laughs> pretty much <laughs> i guess Han, Han Solo like he was only a anti-hero for like the first movie or yeah, the, he, oh yeah because he, 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 he comes around on the, in the second one yeah because he becomes more heroic throughout yeah. well um, he like sacrifices himself yeah like he gives himself to Jabba or whatever at the end of yeah. the Empire verbal kint what a martyr from usual suspects <laughs> what a hero <laughs> Uh, the man with no name, fistful of dollars. Um, Severus Snape, that's an interesting one. Yeah, that would work. Oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah. yeah, Patrick Bateman. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you're not necessarily rooting for him either. Like, I, it's hard to watch that movie and be like, God, I hope you succeed. But I can see how some people would. You, yeah. As I mean, he's your right. main character, right? I mean, I um, guess well because he's like still yeah. the protagonist. You know, so it's yeah. still like his story that right. Fight Club is too, being guided sure. through. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that too, but I didn't see, it hasn't come up yet. Um, That's a pretty light one. Riddick. Yeah. Because you yeah. could look at that as like Edward Norton is a different person than Brad Pitt. You know, right. so it's like he's like fighting yeah. himself, but he's yeah. actually like the hero the, the with same, the good yeah. intentions. Oh, this one, Rorschach. From oh, yeah. Watchmen, that's yeah. very, very <laughs> quintessential anti-hero. Like, fucking Jesus, yeah. Um, Charles Bronson, like Dude. Bronson, yeah, I mean, yeah. The driver from Drive, that's yeah, actually that's, that's pretty good yeah. too. Yeah. Who uh, did that one? Uh, Lars von Trier, oh. Gus San von Trier, <laughs> Gus San Lars Trier von, <laughs> um, Leon the Professional, yeah. I would say that's anti-hero. Um, so this kind of gives you like a decent idea of, you know, Jules Winfield. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Mad Max too. Yeah, you know, I think he's not. I think he fits that. He, you know, he, yeah, he's he's definitely different. Did you hear the Jules Winfield? Oh, by uh, with the uh, pul- pul- yeah, pul- as uh, yeah, Max Rockatansky. There you go. Oh, sweet. Um, Batman. Out of a, a lot of tough. superheroes, he would definitely be one that's kind of up there. Yeah. More, yeah, yeah, more of so. an anti-hero than others, for sure. Yeah. John Rambo? I don't know about that one. Rambo. He seems a little more heroic. Rambo. In the first one, in First Blood, he's, he's an anti-hero, I, I think. I don't know. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, Alex DeLarge um, from fucking um, Clockwork Orange. Oh, huge anti-hero yeah big time yeah um yeah so that's i don't know i it's interesting i mean i feel like you know people literary analysts researchers academics have done way more in-depth study about (laughs) heroes and will tell you all sorts about what a hero is i think but i think in general a hero is like 
when someone who is constantly trying to do good in a story um, and you know is is proving themselves their ethics are more selfless and their out their values are never compromised right yeah. exactly i think that's a big part of right. it too where anti-hero is like they usually start out as criminals um you know they're they're trying to scrape by yeah they they do a lot of bad stuff um but when faced with adversity they are willing to change yeah, i think is a big part of it them to 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 succeed yeah. in whatever yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's something odd about that. I think It's Always Sunny is a great example of like sort of anti. Yeah. I don't know if they're anti heroes, but anti protagonists. Like they're protagonists and they're terrible, terrible, they're terrible, terrible people. people. Yeah. But you're always kind oh, of like yeah. at the end of the day, like, yeah. cool, you guys well, did yeah, it. Like, which is interesting, like with like Alex, you know, um, in A Clockwork Orange, is like you can't stop watching the, all the terrible things that he's doing. You know that they're wrong and you're not necessarily rooting for him, but you are watching in fascination right which it kind of puts you in this interesting gray area um it's usually the endings that justify it i think because it's always like the anti-hero arc is always like i mean how many anti-hero movies do people end they either end dying (laughs) or they end in coming around and not being being able to yeah. some or like somehow or being or yeah or like somehow like what's re- an example of that redeemed. though well like, like i've never dr horrible sing-along blog have you seen that's that? like parody <laughs> that's like parody though right i've never even heard of it i'm it, talking well, about it's like, like the joss whedon thing that he did like that's like anti-hero and it's like a comedy musical but it's an anti-hero that turns even like darker like even like more into like an anti but what's a serious movie that like i mean like i guess non-comedy where like the the character by the end of it is excuse me worse well i think a movie like uh, travis, uh, travis bickle you know sense i guess he doesn't have any redemption because he because he really goes i mean ironic the ironic thing about that is he ends up fucking going through these crazy fucking ideas and killing people and he doesn't get he get, he actually gets the hero slapped on him even though he's not that's true <laughs> you know what I mean? that's true he's right. actually he's actually worse and when he and at the very end when he looks at the mirror and there's that sound and everything and you you know something isn't right and that he's probably it's a repeated cycle and that something's gonna happen yeah. again right um, maybe that's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then the Scarface, but he dies at the, at that. Right. So he doesn't really become more evil. He just becomes. He actually becomes way more pitiful by the end because right. he, he he gets high off of his own supply and fucks himself up. Yeah, because <laughs> like part of the like whole. The un- oh, sorry, you go. Part of the whole arc for antiheroes, the reason why you're even rooting for them is because you think at the end like. Yeah, you change. You want yeah. them to change into good, so you're kind of like trailing along until you get to that part. So if it were to end where they're still bad, I guess that's not really an arc. Well, right? you know, it's interesting because like they don't the need wi- to arc though. Because like, like the High Plains Drifter, he doesn't. Because like yeah, the High Plains Drifter and the Wild Bunch, they they die basically the same, but the viewer comes out thinking that they're better in their eyes just because they were able to like. Like, the Wild Bunch, they die in kind of honor amongst themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. they kind of, like, fought for each other in a way. 
But that's what I'm saying. So it's either they die or they change. Right, right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. But High Plains Plains Drifter, Drifter, he doesn't do either. Yeah. He doesn't die or change. But see, the thing about High Plains Drifter, I don't know if we want to get into that now, but he maybe isn't necessarily even like a person. That's oh, the yeah. thing. You yeah, I mean? there's the so, whole like, hint that he's like a ghost of the guy who got yeah, yeah, or just or, like the or the just devil. death, yeah, or the devil, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or death, yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that's interesting too, which I like. Yeah, um, it, you're right. He doesn't. It, 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 yeah, I don't know. That's he does kind of arc a little bit. Yeah, because at the end when what's her face is leaving and he kind of does like the like nod like yeah he he decides that for whatever reason he rapes the first girl and then doesn't rape her like oh yeah you know what i mean like there's still there's you could yeah. say that he has this sort of change of heart in a way and he helps the the short guy and he helps the short guy yeah yeah and he, he's Mordecai. throughout the film he has he has that sense of like good throughout the whole film but you don't see it all the time you see it in these little episodes the yeah. little actions that he does right it's like and mixed like, in against like the rape and the killing the three guys in the barber shop and doing all this <laughs> evil stuff but then yeah. it's like he does evil things to like do good things too and then he also yeah. does good things yeah it's weird <laughs> and then like he leaves i mean the 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 head of the mining company gets killed and then he leaves as presumably without accepting any more payment and in a sense too i mean he personifies chaos i mean he co he go he goes into that town and and these things start to happen to him and and it's like he's like you know what i'm gonna turn this town on its head yeah you know and like he you know the the girl like the lady you know shoves into him and everything and he takes it to a whole new level you know what i mean it's like he, Mm -hmm. he he it's it's interesting. It's like it's almost calculated. Um, it's funny how much that's sort of like um, Yojimbo. Yeah, you know, he kind yeah. of wanders into town, gets caught up in stuff, yeah. and decides, right. "Oh, I'm gonna fucking fuck yeah. you guys." Like. And that is something that Clint Eastwood did get flack for um, because High Plains Drifter is his first um, film that he directed himself uh, in the western genre. It's his right. second film overall, but right. first in the western genre and hmm. it's definitely you could tell influenced by the what he learned on set with sergio leone doing you know a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good bad and the ugly and also oh, yeah. with don siegel who did um you know dirty harry and yeah um, other movies that he worked with um so like there are definitely influences that you can tell and sergio leone was such a huge fan of akira kurosawa i mean totally a fistful of dollars is a, a complete ripoff of um yojimbo, yojimbo. Yeah. so uh it's it, it definitely makes sense um but he also brings a lot of his own shit to uh the table with high plunge drifter but you get to see more of it in the outlaw josie wales who is also another anti-hero mm-hmm. um i think i mean western is kind of a good genre for anti-hero i think it's because it's always westerns are always focused around one guy yeah yeah you know and besides john ford's romanticized westerns like especially revisionist westerns is where anti-heroes just kind of live yeah i mean it's right. so interesting because like the the classic hollywood um film um going back with like errol 
Flynn, um, Robin Hood, and uh, you know all the way through Douglas Fairbanks and Buster Keaton, and they they were all heroes. You mm-hmm. know, um, even right. Charlie Chaplin is like a hero of sorts. You know, um, and then it goes through John Wayne and Kirk Douglas and all these big movie stars that became you know, that were heroes in the the limelight of you know all these movies, and and then like things started to slowly change a little bit you know like humphrey bogart's characters weren't necessarily i mean they were heroic but he was a little dirtier yeah you know it's true it got a little bit dirtier um humphrey bogart didn't do really any westerns i mean i think he did a couple but he wasn't really a western star but uh it's so funny how long actually how the 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 classic hollywood western hero lasts lasted you know and Mm -hmm. when john wayne was was dying clint eastwood was at like you know the peak of his like highest part of like kind of fame mm-hmm. and john wayne hated <clears throat> high flames drifter oh i bet <laughs> yeah he hated it because clint eastwood actually wanted to his next film that he wanted to do after high plains drifter was a film with johnny john wayne he wanted to, to be you know pl- direct and star with john wayne um huh. and he John Wayne saw the movie and and, and absolutely hated it, and so he what, wrote yeah. wrote Clint Eastwood a letter, and I guess Clint Eastwood just didn't respond back. <laughs> I'm sure that hurt because I'm sure he like you know and like yeah. he probably watched those movies and loved yeah. them like, uh, but John Ford and John Wayne are very weird because they're weirdly romanticized fucking Western life like. They were the guys who I feel like they loved that time because they could be racist jackasses. You know what I mean? Like John Wayne was a pretty famous racist, and like yeah. you could, you know, men ruled, white men ruled even more so than they do now, and like right. it was, you know, their word against anyone else's. And yeah. So There's I think a definitely dark side yeah. to it. That's why their versions of westerns are kind of frustrating because of how romanticized they yeah. actually are. Where like when we get like so re- revisionist, what that term refers to, what that means is that they're they're westerns that are attempting to show a more realistic side of the frontier, like how the frontier was lawless. I mean, there's a reason why it was stereotyped as lawless, right? And like is up to each person each random sheriff in each town and who the who the fuck is that guy you know what i mean like it totally totally demystify the classic Mm -hmm. john ford west yeah Yeah. the american um frontier is no longer this place of virtue and and you know the the where you can go and and find yourself and you know it, it it's no longer like that it's like you have to you have to really hurt. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I, I kind of wish we would have even done one Ford one or Wayne one just to kind of get the, I'm sure we'll do it later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just to kind of get the, that feeling, you know, um, cause, and we'll probably do stagecoach at some yeah. point. Cause that's obviously like one of the most famous, if not mm-hmm. the yeah. most famous Western, um, but I do like I do like the revisionist side of things because I do, I mean obviously I enjoy dark stuff, but just I, I don't know. It's kind of weird when stuff gets so romanticized like that when you know it was just a grungy time. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it, yeah, 
I don't know. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting to look back on those older films and and to see where people's heads were, you know, because mm-hmm. um, you want to believe that that's how the West was, right? You know, like it's like a fairy tale version, yeah. And that's really what they are: are these fairy tales where it's very black and white. You know, the Native Americans are bad, and the white settlers are good because they're spreading the word of God and 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 civilization, and that's a good thing, you know. And yeah. they right. forget they forget about how the Native Americans. They, they gloss over how the Native Americans were there first and that they live peacefully and they have their own way of life that is actually way more, you know, um, gentler than... that than, Well, I know. mean, they had their own right. wars and everything right. else, but... but- but obviously, white you know white people rolled in yeah. and fucked up shit yeah. more than it was already kind of fucked up. So, so it's it's definitely interesting. And I I mean, the turn of it was the spaghetti westerns. Really, like they yeah. really changed the way people started looking at movies um, or the westerns because uh, they were like, holy shit, you can have a character, the main character, like kill for no other reason than to stay alive mm-hmm. you know which right. that wasn't even okay in the john ford westerns like right. you had to have like a reason and and you couldn't kill you sh- couldn't shoot him in the back you know right. even if they did something bad to you, you couldn't do that but yeah totally right. turned it on its head with the, the you there's know. definitely like still like like rules in place you know what i yeah, mean like for yeah. the anti-heroes you know like you can't shoot people in the back you can't uh you know there's like etiquette yeah for it which is interesting because yeah, it's like totally. the people who are breaking etiquette, but they still have like their own etiquette. And then you look at like uh, Wild Bunch, and it's like there's no etiquette. It's like, yeah. you know, you're in the way. You're probably gonna get shot up, <laughs> right? I mean, um, like at the the final sequence, the final action sequence, like the one uh, Mexican soldier guy takes like that woman and uses her as a body shield and they're just like shooting her and then she dies he dies like everyone like you know there's no there's no no courageous acts you know that you know like yeah it's just i mean that's the the sign of like an ultimate coward you know just grabbing some random innocent you know woman that's just happens to be in the crossfire and uses it or to to try and get out of a situation of his own doing (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then the other guy not giving a fuck it's like pop, 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 you know yep. shooting away uh, that's a trip i mean that movie is really interesting because it's just just how much it takes the anti-hero plot and yeah. and just runs with it you know because it it really is like are you in the way then you're dead and it's like yeah. oh is there a fucking weird wannabe general who is a warmonger all right we're gonna side with him because we can get what we want you know like and then even the the quote-unquote good guy uh thornton or whatever was a former i mean he still is a criminal i mean he's not even really reformed yeah but he's he's just hired to not really hired he's he's offered you know his freedom or whatever yeah so if he finds the other criminals you know like it, it's very much like no one is good. Even the guy who wants, <laughs> even the guy who uh, bribes the Thornton or whatever, like is a bad dude. Yeah, you right. know he's doing it for nefarious reasons, <laughs> selfish reasons. It, I mean, and it's funny too because like the Wild Bunch is still romanticized. It's like romanticized in this like 
like view just like through this like lens of like camaraderie the, yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know and like oh we're all gonna see all these hookers and we're gonna do it together you know like we're yeah. gonna celebrate with these mexican you know prostitutes and it's gonna be right. fun and there's like this romanticized aspect to it um but you wouldn't see john wayne cohorting with uh no with um loose women oh, yeah. in the way that they do in this movie you know you're not seeing john wayne you know pour whiskey down a you know mexican lady's yeah. uh, leg and lick it up or you know but he'd right. be, be, be a little flirtatious with the saloon girl but yeah that's different right <laughs> the, yeah the buttoned up saloon girl yeah uh yeah. one thing with about the camaraderie of uh wild bunch and like how they kind of showed that was it in these like really fast cuts you know like mm-hmm. almost like uh almost like cross-cutting but like more like like even like cross cutting times like ten. You know <laughs> Dude, what I mean? Okay, can we so talk like about this, that for a second? The yeah, editing yeah. of Wild Bunch is weird. Yeah. The cross cutting is weird. And well, because it, it like goes back to shots that they already showed yeah, a lot. Yeah. He'll show yeah. they'll like almost repeat the shot like three times and just do this weird cross cut until the sh- the sequence ends and you're like, dude, you could have done that in like six less cuts. Like yeah. it, it just didn't. <laughs> I think it didn't make sense to do it like I think, that. I mean, yeah. I think nowadays we've seen like way better versions of that. But maybe um, how they cut it, it really connects the group together. You know, it really like makes them feel like almost like they're one person because it's like they're so connected. You know. Yeah, but and, do you like, need to show them like that? Is I think a good way to to show it there were times though where like someone would fall off a horse or fall whatever fall into the water and like it would take like eight cutbacks cut, they'd show it cut show it again you know, yeah. cut, show it again it was he's basically in the same spot you didn't yeah, do this like thing and then just like the same spot but almost because it's so slow motion or whatever that it's not quite like that doesn't yeah do anything in terms of connecting that's just weird right. editing it, it's interesting, Any, anytime it's more than like two it's like okay you know like what if they cut back to the same shot for a third time it's like for me it's like all right yeah you know, exactly like there needs to be something yeah here I, like I, I could buy the second one but not the third see but like for that time though that the audience that saw that movie when it came out there was no other movie that had that type of editing ever right so, so the, that's because what I'm the, pa- the pace was so fast for them that they actually probably needed that third or fourth extra scene just to see what was going on because we're it's we're so, so we're so used to seeing fast edited yeah. images, our brains can actually comprehend that image. Whereas for that audience, they probably had a hard time even knowing what was going on because those images were so fast because they hadn't seen anything that was cut that fast ever right. before. Um, I mean, my grandparents they watch movies all the time, but they still have um, time understanding action sequences because yeah. the way it's paced now is so fast that they if they cut to someone's foot pressing the pedal and then it cuts to some other guy like it, they really really have to think about who's doing what with uh, for us we don't even have to think about but it but that's also right. due to the fact that a lot of modern editing especially american editing and action editing is actually bad like True. it's actually True. not good how because it it kind of just i disagree with it, that it, very it, general statement 
No, I think a lot of it. Come no, I think me. I'm going to say that a lot of it is bad because it, what it turns into is like shaky cam or fast camera movements combined with really quick cutting, and it it a lot of it just is jumbled. Yeah, because you can disguise a lot doing that. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it. And a lot of it is to hide um, bad uh, like uh, choreography. Right. A lot of American actors just don't. Either it costs a lot to train them in various movies, or they just don't have the general chops to do right. these things. Like it's like watching because it's about it's about the star, you know. Right. They want the star in there, and they're not gonna give the star that much lessons. So right. they're yeah. like, oh, we save money if we put this in a couple. Plus, you're cuts. cutting in like um, the stunt stunt doubles yeah. and stuff all the time I, I feel the audiences now are steering away because i think everyone's getting kind of tired of that fast-paced yeah. action editing i mean i think that's why john oh, Wick yeah. is so popular well because um, it's not impressive yeah exactly at all like People, everyone loves the long shots yeah, like the, everyone jizz themselves in that game of thrones long shot in the battle of the bastards you know yeah yeah and it's yeah. a cool shot you no, know it's all done in one take yeah you know? well same i mean yeah like john wick um all these bigger action stars are now getting months to train yeah. to actually do their own oh, shit. Yeah. But then there's still and that, Keanu, some he's, that aren't. He's but. been trained many yeah. a times, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, for sure. And I think there was an interesting... The reason why I say this is because there was an interesting video that was created. Uh, I wish I could credit the creator. But uh, basically the, the premise is uh, talking about Jackie Chan action oh, yeah. versus American action. Yeah. Uh, because in China, Jackie Chan actually has a lot of control over his movies, and especially Sweet. the editing of his movies. Um, not only that, he has a lot of control over the choreography um, and and the scenes and yeah. stuff because he does his own stunts, yeah. and then the editing. And th- the example they use, uh, and may- you might not think this is fair, I, I do, but the, the example they use uh, against him is... Uh, Scarlett Johansson in Avengers. Okay, yeah. And just how everything is so hidden. Like, all of... Well, first of all, the contact is hidden. So the trick that Jackie Chan noticed and what he does to add impact to his editing is when he does a move, like, let's say he goes to punch someone. He They just show the punch in the first shot. Mm-hmm. When they cut... They show the contact. Yeah, yeah. So, so what Americans do is they cut on the contact. Yeah. What he does is he cuts right before the fist hits, so that when they do the close up of the contact, yeah. you see the fist first not in contact and then in contact. Yeah. yeah. And that adds a impact yeah. to it. Um, and what American and then what they do is they sh- and then I think they show the Guardians of the Galaxy or something where. There's no impact because the cuts are either on the impact or they're after in these right. weird ways because they're trying to like because the American like Jackie Chan has been so trained yeah. the the American actors just they don't know what they what to do <laughs> and they show right. the sequence of Black Widow fighting in the hallway and it's just like everything is just cut weird and it's tr- too fast yeah. because Johansson's just not like she's not she's good but she's not a great action right. actress yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, her yeah, stick yeah. Oh, sure yeah. they're they did there she's there for the face they throw in the stunt double and a lot of shots and then that's it well there's even sequences where like you could tell it's all like C- it's cgi right yeah. exactly <laughs> so it's just it, it makes for like an incredibly boring 
action sequence if right. you do it like that. Exactly. And that's what a lot of the big action sequences are like. I mean, Avengers is just tons of that stuff. Marvel is just tons of that stuff. Right. Um, well, I think uh, people... I, I think you're right about that. And I think that's why they don't... Like, they're having less and less uh, in, in Marvel and stuff, like heroes that are like doing the hand-to-hand combat thing. Because it's... Like that stuff specifically, you need to feel the impact. But yeah. for, you know, freaking Archer guy, whatever, what's the Archer Hawkeye. guy? Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. Uh, like his arrows, like you like can see it going in, and you hear it going into like the CGI monsters, and right. that that gives you that impact. You know what I mean? It's but also like, easier, like, because people I think have a good sense of what hand to hand or what hitting someone is like, but. Yeah. Hitting someone with Thor's hammer, what the f- you know, what the fuck does that is that like? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, but and that's where like some of the art comes in because like the sound of that, like the me- like the metallic sounds of yeah. like of Captain America's like shield, um, shield. Yeah, thank you. Like hitting is awesome, and like that's I think that's why people like those movies versus Jackie Chan. You're going for that hand to hand. So I think it's I think it's totally fair to say that the Scarlet that Scarlett Johansson stuff kind of blows because it kind of does, you know? <laughs> but, like, there are so many Americans doing great, like, hand-to-hand editing work. And, and you know, like, John Wick and... Uh, I think... No, I, I agree. Bond and shit. Even, um... Yeah, Atomic Bond. Even uh, the new Jennifer Lawrence movie, uh, Red, Red Sparrow. Sparrow, has this really great combat sequence. Or it's not a combat sequence. They're, like, fighting with a knife and it's three people and you really feel every hit and it, yeah, that was and it good. feels great yeah. it's a great scene favorite scene in the movie i mean i i definitely agree with you i think that there are action films that are not doing this i just think oh, that solid. the majority oh, yeah. and the, the popular majority. ones especially the popular ones. especially yeah. because there's just so much money being pumped into it that they have to try and save it somehow like yeah. they have this just this wonky editing and i and i really like the born movies but i think the born movies uh, are super guilty of this they, it, they, yeah oh yeah or just they really confusing editing. To, to watch over and over again yeah you know what i mean like just the they're certainly i mean they're guilty well, pleasure shaky movies cam, like sure, everyone but, they did it so well in Born, and everyone's like, "Oh, here's a cheap way to yeah, do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here's a cheap way to do exactly. it, and we can hide a bunch. So then suddenly everyone did the shaky cam thing. Exactly. And I bet who is that? Paul Green. Paul Greengrass. Yeah. 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 I bet he was just like, it's kind of like the Inception thing where, you know, you hear the bomb yeah. sound yeah, yeah, yeah. in like all the trailers, like, "Oh, yep. this works. Let's just do this," <laughs> and now it feels so cheap to do it. Yeah. Yeah. True. It's for sure. Born definitely altered how action is shot and edited, and it's really frustrating because it just makes it just bad. It's really cheesy and it's bad, but it's it's <laughs> tough to do it the other way. It's really really hard yeah. to do a fight scene like from afar yeah, or right. in long takes because the coordination and the training that has to go through, you know, it just takes a lot of time and effort to do that. So, you know, but that's why I like watching like Asian, like martial arts films and stuff too, because of the way, I mean, look at big boss and like, look at the raid, you know, the way, I mean, the raid has some shaky cam and and quick editing, but it's still, it's much more easy to like, understand like what's going on. I mean, I think though with like the wild bunch, his idea with that wasn't wasn't to hide anything though you know what i mean i think 
his reason for editing oh, yeah. is completely different than totally like but it, but it it's, makes sense. it's cross-cutting it's yeah. like it's like star wars like it, they wanted to connect these ideas and these people together yeah or like star wars is like connecting these set pieces while this is connecting but a like, big the characters a big thing with peck and paw is he honestly thought that by slowing down the violence that that's actually more graphic yeah. His 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 thing wasn't that it, he was glorifying violence, which no, he a wasn't lot of people all. thought that. Oh, he, they like, oh, it's glorifying violence. No but his way. his thing was actually like, no, like why would anyone want to see slow mo? Yeah, you know, violence. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like he was trying to stay true to like what we've talked about before. Like the problem with PG thirteen violence is that it makes yeah, it cartoony. Yeah. He was like, no, violence is brutal it's fucked up we can't you know this is this is shitty west the west was shitty he wanted people to see it like oh god stop yeah you know like someone killed the guy with the gatling gun we we're we're seeing fucking carnage here like like, stop it you know stop it but ironically that's not really not what happened (laughs) everybody enjoyed that (laughs) it's it's weird because slow-mo you it kind of goes either way for a lot of people because like a lot of slow-mo that people see online and stuff is like freaking dope like you know basketball dunks yeah. or yeah, uh yeah. you know skateboard flips <laughs> you know I, you could s- i'm obviously a sports guy uh but like when you see something like that and it's like really impressive it's like wow this is you could either you could go either way you could say this is glorifying violence or you could say this is uh really brutal and awful yeah. and it's it's interesting how there's those two reactions yeah. to just having slow mo in your in your thing. Well, I could definitely see how slow mo. If you're, if you're, it's too long. It starts to become like funny or goofy yeah. or like less serious. Like yeah. it's hard to take the vibe. Like if someone's just like shot and they're falling like yeah. hella slow. It's like okay, like we get it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. But there's something about <laughs> someone being like shot three times by a machine gun and then moving by it that's kind of like yeah like yeah yeah yeah. like you only get the the gore (laughs) yeah right like if your character is talking in the slow-mo that is (laughs) instant comedy (laughs) pretty much instant that's all you need actually for comedy pretty much yeah um no i think when you watch the wild bunch it's obvious that there's no glorification of what's of what's going on the only thing he really glorifies or romanticizes <laughs> is the freedom aspect i think right. of like the west or that that i the concept people have of the west that that it was so free and like right. you know you were you were able to do so much and i think that's a little romanticized but there's definitely like no the violence is quick it's brutal there's blood yeah. um yeah. and it, it doesn't and serve anyone in a good way die, you know? yeah, yeah innocence die yeah. yeah the violence is always bad there's always yeah. something bad attached to it um, whereas, like, you know, this is where Tarantino gets flack for his violence because his violence is so over the top that it's hard to take seriously, right, which right. is why I think he kind of skirts around it. But it is, it's not like it's not like a serious take on it. Yeah, it's not like he yeah. thinks violence is oh yeah gross. It's just like he it is kind of a yeah. little Me's circle jerky. saying violence is fun. Yeah, it's, it's a film, you know. Yeah, which it is. Yeah, I mean that's true. <laughs> I mean I don't. I I mean I, I like violence in films. Yeah. I like. I like my oh, films yeah. to be very, very much made for I adults. Mean, so. You know, I think like violence in films should be a thing. Violence in real life, no. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, our, our sure. previous guest, uh, Lisa Van Dam Bates, who made that horror film, 
she was talking about how like she just was like so happy being on set with like all the blood right, and right, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> but then like in real life she's like creeped out yeah. by blood. Yeah. You know, and she like yeah. can't she's just like, Oh yeah. god, no way. And it's weird how like like I understand that like movies are so real for a lot of people, you know? Even movies that are campy as shit, you know, or just like way over the top, people still see them as real sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um but and can't divorce their the idea that they are real but um where am i going with this but oh but for like the filmmakers it's like it's like a totally different right like the detachment you could easily detach <laughs> yourself yeah. from like your own creation yep. you know what, what did you guys think of like oh sorry go ahead oh no no, no. Oh. you're good what would you guys think uh, of like like the violence like did you think it was deserving of the nc-17 for wild bunch yeah Oh, was it NC seventeen? Yeah, and, you remember it was the it, just because the was, kids were in there. It was redone. It re-rated as NC seventeen. Oh uh, fuck! I totally forgot kids, that. Right? Yeah, because of the, the, ki- the kids. Of the kids. Because of the kids. Yep. Yeah. There were kids got killed. I, don't uh, I think no, some, they just watched it. They were watching because of the oh. uh, the watching the the kids were were watching the violence in the film. The kids within the film were watching the violence in yeah. the film. <laughs> oh. And also the kids with the ants and the animals. Oh, yeah, the ants well. and stuff, yeah. yeah. Which is so fascinating because that really, like, shows you the power of, of like, just cutting yeah. to a face. I, mean, I think it's just Like, incredible. the power of the like, face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. You know? I mean, me like, personally... It, it, oh, go ahead. It's like... It's like Rosemary's Baby where, like, people thought they saw the devil's eyes in the right, right. movie. Or, like, the baby's eyes, but there's no shot of the baby at all in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like this... And it goes back to something we were talking about, like, probably 20 episodes ago. Uh, but we were talking about how it's, like, a language that is painting a picture in your mind still. Yeah, yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. in ways that you just don't know that it's painting that picture. But so, like, putting the kids in the film paints this entirely different picture in your mind yeah uh, which is like the the greater story there yeah and that's no, like way more horrific <laughs> to see just a shot of a person or of a kid yeah it's just cool i mean i think it's just incredible that a film from the late 60s has an nc-17 rating to this day that's crazy i mean yeah. that's just crazy to me it's totally crazy yeah. and i to, i'm always uh a proponent of showing it showing yeah and and showing the reality like you know the kids are there like it's like city of god it's like yeah. the kids they exist oh, in yeah. these scenarios yeah. same with like beasts of the southern or uh, of no nation beasts, beasts of of no nation. Nation. it's yeah. like they are there some kids have to deal with that yeah. and see it and when violence happens it's not yeah. fucking james bond's all fucking hearts and roses it's like it it's brutal and it's gross yeah, kids and, are like, susceptible to violence right you know, like and it's only fair to show it's only fair to do it in a way that's true and not try and skirt around it yeah right you know and i'm always a proponent of that and i I, like i just you know get the get the right amount of gore like you know you can look at forensic files and find out how nasty stuff can get really quick you know just find the right amount of the violence and gore but keep it keep it true you know, I think that's why I think, you know, Saving Private Ryan's uh, you know, opening act is always so important because it keeps it true. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's like the 
like the anti-hero thing can can be keeping it true because I, I think part of the the truth of that is is seeing innocent people die mm-hmm. you know and and like saving private ryan is powerful because it has all the blood and all that stuff but also because it's these army dudes who like they don't know what they're walking into and some mm-hmm. of them are freaking out one guy's just like looking for his hand and some shit one guy even picks up a hand and puts it in his pocket to like bring it with him so like it's like this like bizarre like human thing you know and but like seeing innocence like die you know like seeing a dog die in a movie that's like the worst thing you could do you know that makes like that immediately makes like more than half the audience cry yeah like immediately uh so and it's because they're so innocent you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, this is a little off topic, but it's interesting to me too with these two films how like in the Wild Bunch, there's like innocence. The innocents get like they get killed. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of victimization in the Wild Bunch. Whereas in High Plains Drifter, like all the townspeople are are they have they have a scent. You know, they're hiding a scent. Oh yeah, everyone you know, is bad. Guilty, in that movie. You know, yeah, totally. so it's it's interesting that they're like it's think- a different take on. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I think the only person that they really say is not bad, and I, this is what I didn't really understand about the shifts in between his dream and like you know the vision of yeah. the whipping is the short guy. Yeah, he seemed like the only one who was like good, um, and I didn't I didn't really understand was he under the um, was he under the porch when yeah. it was happening? So he yeah. wasn't really a part of it. No, he wasn't a part of it. He was just witness to it. Yeah. Right, he was yeah. witness, and then it was only the woman. Who in her own right wasn't good. I think her name was like Sarah or whatever. Yeah. She's the hotel. She owner. was the only yeah the hotel's guy's wife. Yeah, she wanted to intervene but yeah. was prevented from it. But then she also like just fucks around and and leaves and whatever. Like uh, so she's not like great. She's probably like on the spectrum of <laughs> least bad, yeah. but still yeah. you know. Um, so like but yeah everyone in that film i mean pretty much everyone is anti yeah not anti-hero but anti they're not whatever good people because yeah. the guy right. the, the old the sheriff at the beginning of the film before it's given to mordecai he's like oh we're good people or whatever right yeah, yeah. So it's a town of good people i think it was him right. who said it um and that's the I mean, thing about uh, even no. mordecai is like a like a like a dick you know, well, he's yeah. a, but he's a dick for a good reason because he's been fucking shit on this whole time. Right. So he's allowed to be able to be a dick to these people. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, they they kind of set him up to be sort of uh, yeah, like he right. he has been kind of crapped on because yeah. of his stature yeah. and and when he finally that. gets his chance to what sign, he, he, he does. He, the right. way he but he's said, still like yeah. he's still like bad though, you know, because he kills the guy <laughs> and he he like like yeah, he kind of plays with with everyone when he's mayor and sheriff but he still like wants evil things to happen to these people yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't know i like mordecai he's cool (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean i i i like him too but i i think he's still like a bad um he's still like he's not a good human being (laughs) yeah but everyone has their problems though so it's it's hard to Uh, yeah you know, I, can't, I think he's oh almost yeah, like, but I think he's he's still like he's could be doing something yeah. positive with it. So I just I think he's like just, still just as bad as everyone else. He's honestly almost like the 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 biggest victim of the whole movie. Really, that's the yeah. kicker. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, it's, and he's like the winner of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just love how he's like, I'm the sheriff. I'm the sheriff. He kept repeating, it. and he's like, 
I'm the mayor. Like you just can't believe it. Like he's utterly just utter complete utter disbelief. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that's the other thing about antiheroes too, though. You you bring up a good point. How everyone is in this film is like really shades of bad. Antiheroes. The reason why you kind of root for them too is that generally there's someone else in the movie who's worse. Right. So like, there's always the spectrum of bad, and they yeah. always exist on the spectrum. Generally, more towards the middle yeah. than the other people they encounter, the antagonists. Right. right. So that's why it kind of you, it works. Why you can kind of root yeah. for them. It's really weird though, because with High Plains Drifter, those three g- bad guys really you don't really see them do anything evil besides whipping a guy to death. They yeah. did what they were told to do, I guess. Yeah, you could say. But you know what I mean? Like, but that's still bad. Whipping yeah. a guy to death is pretty bad. Right, but, you, but, but, yeah. but you know, the uh, Clint Eastwood's character. I mean, you see him like basically, like there's like two, two or three rapes in it. You know, in the film, and like, yeah, he he's almost like worse. <laughs> He's totally, he's totally, <laughs> he's definitely super worse. bad. I mean, yeah. the first rape makes no sense. It was like to me when that happened, I was like. Okay, this is just gonna happen. Like it's like, really what? weird. Yeah, it's very, very but, odd. I mean, it's really weird because, and I'm looking on this. I, I don't know. It almost, is, it's a tricky. It's a tricky subject. It seemed forced. That's what I didn't like about it. Yeah. Is it seemed like <laughs> they needed a way to make him bad. So they're like, well. How do we compound his badness? Yeah. Let's have him just suddenly decide to rape this yeah. chick. Well, in a weird way, yeah, because like she provokes it. Not that she deserved a rape. No, I'm not saying that. It's so hard to talk about saying this. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not, not the rape <laughs> part. Be very I'm not the rape part. The, she's provoking him to do something. She provokes ire, right? For sure, yeah. she's provoking something. Yeah. Um. He goes and a step further. From that point on, it feels forced. It the is, rape yeah. part feels forced because they could have done any number of things to her other than rape. That's that's what I mean. By she she provokes right. a reaction. The reaction the reaction that she gets isn't something that I think it's almost like that the hand of God is put into the film yeah. in yeah. a sense. You know what I mean? Um, and then they try, and the, it does. And then what really kind of fucking drives the nail into the coffin is that halfway through they kind of make her like enjoy it, yeah. Like, and then he's like, "Well, she actually yeah. did want it." Yeah, like, it becomes a joke. It becomes yeah, which it really, was just weird. Looking at it now, it's did not age well. Tasteless. There's lots it, of stuff really, in this film really that didn't tasteless. age well. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, overall, but at the same time, I can see why. I mean, it was a good movie. Yeah, like, it's, it's yeah. I mean, I can see where it's coming from. I mean, it's a, it's a it's 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 a definitely a product of its era. It's trying to be bad. You know what I mean? It's trying to be bad boy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's oh, they conceive. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying not to be um, something that we they had had been seen before. Right. Yeah. Know? So. 73 I, here, here's the thing is like you have two choices you do the rape scene first or you do it later you know and honestly i'm i'm 50 50 on that because it's two different movies because uh with clean eastwood's character you see him kill those guys and that's kind of like par for the course for these like anti-hero movies you know but yeah. then the the rape thing is like so bad and to start him off feeling that way is a totally different vibe than uh, seeing it like later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the the progression of his character 
from how we see him is is different because of they they took this thing that should be happening over here and put it right at the beginning yeah yeah it's a gutsy move too it's a gutsy move to have your main character especially someone that was so popular at that time to do such like this egregious act and then like have the audience go along with it i mean that's like literally in the first 10 minutes of the movie and then he just walks away yeah but i think that's like you need that scene because it helps you understand that the townspeople are like bad you know like the sheriff comes and it's her fault uh that you know like like no one will help her in hysterics yeah you know after she tries to to kill him that's a really good Uh, point it actually is almost more important as a way to describe the town than it is to describe him. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which the audiences at first don't, they're not getting that. They don't you necessarily don't that realize that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you have to wait for it. Um, right. But I think if the town was good, then that would happen later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's so weird that the High Plains Drifter was one of the most um, successful westerns of the 70s. Yeah. Very, very, very highly rated. I think it's got like 98% yeah. right now as a rating. It's, so it's very high. It's super interesting. It's yeah. still popular. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Uh, cool. I feel good about that. Um, I think we should shift right around into Roundtable Sweet. and talk about these movies. Uh, I wasn't here last week, so I'll go first. <laughs> Fuck it. Do it. Why not? Or you guys vote oh, for me right. first. Uh, <laughs> dead air, dead air. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm going to have to say you liked The Wild much more. Um, I think uh, it's a little bit faster paced. It's a longer movie, but I think it's maybe a little faster paced. And, and I think uh, it was maybe just more interesting to you to see the references that have come from that movie. You know, they're like you can you can see that mm-hmm. Scorsese and and Tarantino and, and Tarantino for sure. And, you know, a lot Jesus of other directors Christ, have, have stolen from Peck and Paw, especially with this film. Um, whereas you know, High Plains Drifter, I mean, it has has its place, but it's it, it hasn't been people haven't like taken from it and put it into their own work, or you know what I mean. It's not a it hasn't it's a it's a successful movie, but it's it's the not a part of like, there, culture yeah. as well, as much as um, Peck and Paw or uh, the Wild Bunch. So I feel that. And I think maybe you, it's just a more tightly constructed um, overall. Maybe you feel like just a better made film um, on an artistic level, but also just on an entertainment level. That's just, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, this, this is actually kind of hard, um, but because I think you like, I think both these movies are in your wheelhouse. You know, you're a big Yo Jimbo guy, so <laughs> how can you not like the uh, High Plains? Um, and then Wild Bunch, I, I think, you know, Byron nailed it right on the head. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say High Plains Drifter uh, because of the editing in, in Wild Bunch. I think it was hard for you to get into for that Um but High Plains Drifter, I think that's like kind of more your movie. Yeah, there's a weird rape joke in there, which totally blows. But uh, um, I think it like, I think it's like more in line. Plus, like the thing where he's like death at the end. I think I think you maybe kind of like that idea, or that he's like the person's ghost. Like it's like this up to interpretation, kind of up to interpretation. It's pretty, it's pretty in your face, I would say. But uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with High Plains. 
Yeah, I actually didn't get the death thing initially. I I got the ghost thing. Like he's a he's a reincarnation of right. that guy. Yeah. Uh, especially like with the vengeance. whole like uh, yeah, exactly. Especially the whole like yeah. uh, literally fading away yeah. at the end. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. It's High Plains Drifter. Uh, just yeah, yeah. Just like I don't know. It at first. It took it took a while for High Plains to really like settle cool. in, just because of the weirdness and like the. Also, it just looked weird. I thought the cinematography of that movie was really odd. How bright <laughs> it was and how like clean everything was. Um, yeah, but all uh, the the hair lights were like really strong. Yeah, you know, like there were there was like a like a what, who is it Robert uh, or Robert Richardson? Does he do the hair lights? No, no, no. That's Tarantino's guy. You're talking about like the star strong backlighting. Yeah, the strong backlighting. Yeah, yeah. kind of like in uh, the man who wasn't there. You know, the Coen Brothers. Mm. Yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Like it's just like really strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost like film noir, like backlight. But then the yeah. rest of it's like kind of high key. A lot of it's high key. It happens outside, so that yeah. you know, a lot of it's like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it just the I really really dug the whole like fucking reincarnation vengeance yeah, yeah. like yeah because when i first saw the guy getting whipped i was like is that him because it was like kind of hard to tell yeah. i thought it was him at first too i had to play it back right like he was like mm-hmm. remembering something from his past or something which in a way he kind of was and like i just really liked that story and then he kind of comes in and is like you all betrayed me so i'm gonna just fucking raise your town to the ground yeah, yeah and burn everything and we're gonna make it hell literally you know yeah. and i'm gonna kill the guys because they they were the ones yeah. who did it to me but not only am i gonna kill them but i'm gonna kill them with a whip yeah and then you know yeah, fuck up awesome. the rest of the town in the process and yeah. then just leave like i don't know it was really cool um wild bunch was like i don't know I, I didn't dig the pacing as much there was parts especially towards the end where it's like okay dude like, <laughs> i know there's something else you got to get to but like let's get to it um mm-hmm. but it wasn't bad um, and I definitely can see like where a lot of the the influence is at. I'm glad we watched it. Um, and I kind I do want to watch Peck and Paul's other stuff, but I don't, I don't know. It wasn't as good as I was expecting it. I guess I had a high high expectations. What's also great about it. the Wild Bunch is that it has so many actors from other westerns that you get to see together, mm, which is right. like, oh, that's cool, right? You know, like you get all these right. guys put together all these character actors you know and, and I that's kind of fun i think part of it is that i just haven't seen as many, enough right. westerns to really get that and i kind of realized too that i do like westerns but i don't like them as much as like i don't know for a yeah. couple years ago even like i just kind of feel like i've kind of grown out of it a little bit <laughs> but i do like the overall <laughs> story of western of the the dude yeah. wandering into town yeah and dealing with that i yeah. do i do like that character yeah. Um, so. oh yeah the um, the the man with no name or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Nameless cowboy guy. Uh, but yeah, just it kind of edged it out. It's like a little bit. Uh, all right, let's do. Let's do, let's do me. We yeah. Save Byron for last. <laughs> I don't. If Byron. That one's weird. Cause I don't know which one you like. Like I, that's I a know weird Byron. choice. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, this one's hard too because i don't i, I never I hear him talking about yeah go for it i i think uh i think i can be totally wrong i i think uh wild bunch i think uh 
I think it just maybe. Well, oh fuck! I don't know. God damn it! Ah, <laughs> uh, because I know that you like the beginning of High Plains Drifter. Oh god damn it! Yeah, no, you spoke know. highly um, of the beginning of the the credits. Fuck it, I already said Wild Bunch. Oh yeah, you I did, did say I, that. I did say but that. it could change throughout I, oh, the film. That was just like the song and the intro right. and how it felt. Well, you, see yeah. now you're playing like, oh yeah, no, maybe it is Wild Bunch. No, well, no, okay, I'm just clarifying. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to go. With That's the, where I, I guess was in the movie. Just maybe overall, I'm gonna have to go Wild Bunch. Yeah, but I couldn't tell you the exact good reason for it. It's tough. I know. Maybe I maybe. I think on just the level of like what it did in for film, maybe. Oh, I, don't, sure. I don't know. It's don't it's know. like impact. It's yeah. historical yeah. Uh, landmark. Yeah. The landmark. Of so it. this is what episode fifty eight, and I still feel like I don't have a good sense of Jacob <laughs> I know, and, it's and his movies and what you <laughs> I, like and what you don't like because yeah. my my perception. I really don't of, either. Well, like my perception of what you like was so different than what you actually turned out liking that it just yeah, like still throws me off. So I, I, I really don't awesome. know, but I think just for interest's sake, I'm gonna go with High Plains, um, because just, I mean, it's Eastwood and it was a tight little story, um, and it was just a for kind of the same reasons that I had, just the kind of the story, the type of story that it was, go with High Plains. Uh, Keith is right. I should have gone, <laughs> gone with my, <laughs> by, my <laughs> by a significant amount. I like I I, I really? just I yeah I just I love the small stories. I love the like death thing at the end. Like I love that stuff. Like I love that um they like do this like extended metaphor that he's like you know death coming in, and then you could like see it either way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You look at it however you want and. Um, and no matter what route you go down, that's an interesting conversation to have with someone. I, I, Wild Bunch, I think, was awesome, and it's totally this great little landmark movie. But the the, the movies like Wild Bunch are the kind of westerns that I still just don't get, you know. And I I think maybe I need to watch more. But like I understand like what happens and why people like the the violence. It just to like or like you know why the slow mo the slow mo was awesome, you know. But like the movie as a whole, like the kind of camaraderie and the ensembleness of it, like I'm just not as interested in that as I am like a singular character and diving deep into their mind. See, I always I I, I figured that would be the opposite. I figured that the Wild Bunch would be more interesting to you because of the camaraderie. I mean, I love camaraderie. So that's 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 why it's always hard for you, because or hard for me for hard for me to guess which yeah, ones you like. Because exactly. for oh, me, yeah. it seems that the the relation interrelationships are more interesting to you than just one character. But but you just said the other thing otherwise. So oh, like yeah. it's, it's always so it's hard. hard. It's to- so hard. Totally for sure. Like <laughs> diving into like one person's mind is for me is way more fascinating at this point in my life. Maybe that'll change later, but uh, I'm just I'm so interested in like you know, like like who the man with no name is okay. you know what i mean okay. and like what he represents and not like who he is in like the story like i could give a shit if he's death or um just a dude or or a reincarnation of that guy but just like what he like represents like in relation to anything you know mm-hmm. like to business or like modern business or to uh you know 
like a, a city like you know like someone yeah. just coming in out of the blue and just like shaking it up you know donald well, you trump did. is kind of <laughs> this guy <laughs> like i think he likes to think of himself as this guy you with know? rape like included in. yeah yeah. Rape <laughs> included, yeah um you yeah. did say that your favorite films are coming of age which generally are more focused so that's true yeah on the singular yeah yeah so that but, like i sense. still love on ensembles and all that stuff but uh but yeah, High Plains yeah. Drifter, for sure. Nice. Cool. Uh, so for Byron, I'm gonna go with High Plains Drifter because I just think it's it's a darker. He's a darker person than the cool, other guys, cool. and I think the Wild Bunch has the the more the violence. But I mean, High Plains has its own form of violence. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. they they don't shy away from it. I mean, the guy gets shot and they bleed, right? Yeah. Like it's not hidden away. But I think overall, it's darker. It looks brighter, but it's darker in its Which tone. Which is kind of a cool, interesting contrast, too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like the way it looked as much, necessarily. I, 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 when I picture the West, I picture dirty, you know? Yeah, like, your yeah. clean buildings is just kind of weird to me. But uh, uh, And oh, then yeah. Eastwood. I when they painted the, the town. Red. Awesome. Oh, I know. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that and then, was like, oh, this is so cool. Um, Eastwood kind of being the... I, you know, between him and John Four or uh, John Wayne, yeah. you know, they're kind of the two oh, yeah. two cowboys, right? And he's kind of become the icon of that. And Sweet. being a big fan of westerns, you know, and especially the Eastwood westerns and Sergio cool. Leone and stuff, I yeah. think I think uh, it's uh, High Plains HPD <laughs> HPD HPD. <laughs> uh, Wow, I, so I'll be the one to get both right, I guess, on this episode because I think it's the Wild Bunch, uh, and I I think it's the Wild Bunch because uh, of just like the style of editing and the um, just the kind of the appreciation for the landmark for you, but but also like the I think just like how that he uses the slow mo and just like the gnarliness of some of the uh the gun scenes and like the the lack of like care for the innocent i think is something that you really like in in a weird way and in a movie way <laughs> um but i i think you like high plains drifter a lot too uh but i think wild bunch edges it out high plains i think uh maybe you know it's pretty good and it is like quintessential um anti-hero but you know it's basically the same as clint eastwood's earlier projects you, you know uh with the spaghetti westerns or whatever with leone but uh you know obviously like unforgiven is like way superior to than high plains uh i still haven't seen so that still haven't seen i think that. you have those other movies already like you like those ones more and but then wild bunch i think you're I think you're like, well, High Plains is like pretty good, but it's basically like these. But Wild Bunch, this is its own thing, and it's freaking new and unique and different, and uh, you know, wowed you a little more. So yeah, I'm going TWB. <laughs> H well, HPD. Let's just say that this is probably the toughest decision yeah. that I've had to make so far, and like I've actually I've, I've been thinking about it for a while the last couple of days. Um, and I have to start just real quick with a quick thing is that both of these movies I I so I grew up with westerns so I as you guys know you know and I was like I predominantly grew up on westerns that was my biggest thing but it was all John Wayne westerns and there were like 
a few oh, yeah. there were a few Clint Eastwood movies that I couldn't see um or that I could see um and I remember just knowing that the Wild Bunch I couldn't see in that for some reason, High Plains Drifter just intrigued the fuck out of me. No. I saw, I saw, no, I'm just saying, the poster oh. had him wear like a long black jacket with like a whip. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, fuck, like Clint Eastwood just looks mean into that. Like, what is this right. movie? And I wasn't allowed to see either one of these movies. So when I finally saw both of these movies, it really changed how I saw like Westerns. Mm-hmm. And I just got hooked oh, sure. into like the revisionist Western. And um, at the age that I saw it, uh, High Plains Drifter is my favorite. But oh, yeah, no, it is. No, it's oh, it is. Yeah, oh, yes. I think that movie. It oh wait, really? No, you lost, sucker. Yeah, like High Plains Drifter. It's High Plains Drifter. Oh, you worded that so weird. Yeah, I was expecting you to say. Well, I think because of the age I saw it. Oh, okay. I have to say High Plains Drifter because it really rocked my world. The Wild Brutal. Bunch, the Wild Bunch rocked my Damn world it. too. Like it really, the Wild Bunch rocked my world too. I'm not like both of those movies I saw roughly probably in the same year, um, and I I checked them both out from the library, and I kind of just like didn't let my mom really know that I had them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, I, I watched the library, them and, man. Right, right, and I uh, I just kept them in my back, my backpack, um, and. Like, I, and the, the librarian, you know, probably shouldn't have let me get them, but oh, she, yeah. I, I was there all the time, and you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there are she Westerns. Didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. didn't know. Um, so, yeah, High Plains Drifter, because I just, I, I love the personification of, of anything. I love personification of gods, mm-hmm. um, things that oh, yeah. don't really exist in the sense of like, they're tangible you know so i just really like that aspect of it but the wild bunch is so cool because i just love the fact that there's like this the cast of characters that they get it's yeah awesome but high plane shifter man i just like love the fact that they paint the town so we all pick red and yeah i was just gonna say i'm so glad that i that i brought no high you plane said shifter wild bunch up. right no high plane no, high plane shifter. yeah Oh yeah, so isn't that crazy? We oh, that's right. Yeah, we all no can't uh, God, Jesus. figure out. <laughs> I'm still tripping. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, all I'm high planes. Yeah, I'm so glad that we I brought that film up because I wasn't expecting oh, you guys to like that movie. I really wasn't. Like, it's like my personal favorite. High Plains Drifter might be my second or first favorite western. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow! Oh, Unforgiven so is. <laughs> Unforgiven is good. It's you don't just like Unforgiven. It's, it's, it's good. It's just not up there for me. So good. Oh, what we'll the? I need to watch that one anyway. So Unforgiven we'll is really good. Do it's that just, one. I don't know. It is great. Cool. Yeah, all high planes. But obviously, um, in terms of like, if you're in it for the cinema history, then Wild Bunch is yeah. probably more up your alley. If especially if you're interested yeah. in where a lot of these modern directors grab their influence, and yeah. Wild Bunch is going to be where it's at um it's more of a quote like hollywood movie too it is you yeah know, in the it sense is of, it's more yeah. of a yeah. ride it's, it's more totally of a ride you know yeah totally so awesome so like high plains drifter like if if you're looking for influence it's like already kind of there with like leone you know you know mm. what i mean mm. i mean like, he that, he like said his fate his heroes are leone and uh yeah there's another director who did did westerns um fuck it's funny oh, the other guy who in the, the graveyard in High Plains Drifter, 
he has a gravestone that has uh, Sergio Leone's Don Siegel. Don, yeah, Don Siegel oh, did some. Don Siegel funny. did some westerns. Yeah. Oh, he, he was the Dirty Harry guy. Oh, yeah. right, right. Oh, dirty Harry. But there, there in on the in the graveyard in High Plains Drifter, he wrote Sergio Leone and um, Don Siegel and I think a guy named Brian Hutton who did uh, Kelly's Heroes and uh, Where Eagles Dare with Clint Eastwood. Um, all these three directors that he worked <laughs> oh, with cool. on the gravestones as like an homage. Nice. <laughs> that's cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, they little influences right there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I killed his. Shit, killed where his is directors. it? Oh yeah, the grave, I think graveyard. Eastwood, like, Clint Eastwood uh, came in as a director like after this, after yeah. these movies. Yeah, you know, this like is, I feel like first... Unforgiven feels more Clint Eastwood than. Uh, well, I this is the one that set him up as a director. This, yeah. Like, yeah, and then and then the outlaw Josie Wales really cemented him. As, the, I like, mean, his first film apparently got a crazy amount of acclaim and was financially really good and was uh, financially very successful. It's a really good movie. It's a good thriller. You should check it out. It's a really good thriller. I should check it out because I love Clint Eastwood's movies, and, Dude, but I've only really seen his later ones. Oh, you got to see Play Misty. For I don't me. know. I gotta check it's out some it's really good. For the longest time, I I I never knew he was a director and not only a director but a dude who directed a lot of movies yeah, yeah. like i always just like thought of him as an actor yeah but no he because he, he casts himself in a lot of his movies but like yeah. man he's done a lot but he does like one take yeah he's like super, one take super guy. efficient it's the super coolest efficient. thing ever yeah he it's, went in under budget and on time uh, or bef- uh, actually a couple of days left or something for uh high place drifter <laughs> <laughs> if uh, uh, if yeah. you hear Tom Hanks, yeah. Tom Hanks is an interview when they were doing Sully, and he was talking about in, uh, Eastwood style, yeah. and he apparently he doesn't say action or cut. Yeah. He kind of just says, yeah. "All right, go." Yeah. And then when the end, he's like, "All right, that's good. Let's go." I, Angelina <laughs> Jolie said the same thing when she did the Changeling with him. Um, said that she has never worked with like a kinder, more like or more gentle. Director. <laughs> like she said if every director just acted the way he did it would be like amazing that's such a trip <laughs> man. the easiest yeah. yeah and it's interesting it's too his his filmography is like thrillers mystery thrillers westerns and he did some music ones like he did birdie with forrest whitaker and he did uh uh the jersey Cl- uh the jersey jersey boys mm. you know and some other weird ones he honky honky tonk man i think he directed that one i think and just weird like offbeat offbeat music ones (laughs) man i gotta see those that sounds so interesting yeah uh, he's uh, he's on our list as a director to to talk about i don't know if we'll ever get to him or what but we should do his whole filmography all He's 30 got so movies. Many good ones, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what would that equate to? 15 episodes? Yeah. 15 episodes. Of a quarter of a year. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, on just Eastwood. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm glad we I'm glad we finally touched on Westerns. I know we will again. God, I'm so. Um, guys, I, I honestly, I'm like, um, I'm blown away that you guys both picked that one. That's so cool. <laughs> it took a minute. It took a minute. When I, right after it was done, I was kind of just, a, it was a little sour, but. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, once you kind of look at it from a different angle, from especially if you look at it from the ghost angle yeah. and the revenge angle, it it, it makes a lot more sense. I think, oh, that's, yeah. I think that's why I like it. It's just so different. Yeah. You really, oh, it's yeah. like the more it kind of grows on you. The yeah. More you think about I it. think the Clint Eastwood antihero is like, it's still like so accessible to audiences today. Yeah. You know? Totally. Because that's like where like so many people are pulling from. You know, like Westworld and shit is like, you know, the freaking main lady can't remember what her name is but she's like totally anti-hero 
Yeah, well, I'll just do real quick. Uh, well, like the Iraq slash Afghanistan war is so similar to the Vietnam War, and both of these, yeah, like it can't that revisionist Western has came from Vietnam. So, the similarities oh. of what as a viewer as audiences want uh, are a little similar. Hmm. We wouldn't oh, have that's like a rape joke in hours now, but <laughs> no, yeah, you can't joke about that. Which you, I mean, you really you can't sh- joke about what Sorry. rape. Oh yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be in the uh, anti-hero movie now, I don't think. But yeah, I'm. Yeah, you guys are right. I don't know. I there thought, might I... there might be a weird way to joke about it, but I don't. I think everything that we've seen before is just gone. I almost yeah. put something like that in my in my pitch, but um, didn't. <laughs> a rape joke. <laughs> well, not a rape joke, just a. Like as a part as a character description or whatever for the person oh, but, man, or as a part of the plot but yeah. uh, um, all right so if you have any questions or opinions send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com you can also visit our facebook page to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any of the past episodes um which if you do like it please rate it five stars or rate in general i mean anything wherever you listen especially on itunes though uh, because it helps others find us. You can also follow us on Letterboxd at JCFoltz24 for Jacob and Hyperion Creator for me. I also have a question for you about that, Jay. What does a heart mean for you on Letterboxd? Like, why do you heart uh, something just, but don't star it? Oh, just... Oh, because, like, I don't know. I just don't like stars. Oh, okay. I just It's so, like, it changes for me all the time. So, like, if I come out of the movie, I think, like, oh, yeah, that was, like, a three star. And then I'll watch it again. I'll be like... Oh, that's definitely like a four and a half. And I'm just like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to like put a star on a movie because like, that's just not what movies are for me. You fair know? enough. Fair but, enough. So I'm cool. Like liking it. Cause like, I definitely like know when I like a movie and when I don't like one. Okay. You know, fair enough. Yeah. I was just curious. But even that I've changes. Seen it. Yeah. Cause for me, like the heart is like a movie I can th- throw on anytime. Like I would, I can always watch it, and it, you know what I mean. Like, oh, so I don't, I, I don't so, heart oh, so every you, movie. Oh, so you, like, give a movie a rating, and then you heart it if it's like has a little special place. Yeah, sort of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Or is it an easy watch or something. Like yeah, that. exactly. Like if I ever need a movie, oh, I can pull from the list of hearts, and I'll always be able to watch it, type of thing. And oh, generally, that comes along with like it being of a higher rating, but. I'm sure there's some I've three starred. I don't know. Oh yeah. Um, well, there's some movies that are just like not good that are awesome to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Know? Like for like, me, that's like the happening. Like I could watch a movie with <laughs> anyone because it's so fun to watch with people. But it's not a good movie, right? At all. That's why I think so fun to watch in a group. Oh yeah, exactly. And like Fast and the Furious is the same way. Where I think I rated it like two stars, but it's still heart because it's like well, because it's just oh, one yeah. of those movies you toss on. Right. Um. All right, yeah, so JC Foltz 24 for Jacob, Hyperion Creator for me, Hyperion Creator for me. Um, next week, we'll be talking Ballast and Bicycle Thieves, and we're going to be having an, uh, another guest on, special guest Nate Sautel, who is a friend from school and fellow filmmaker, um, and he chose those films, so we'll be discussing you, those. You can call him by his real name, Nasty Nate. That's Nasty Nate, yeah. Yeah. He will I don't be, need to use nicknames. 
Yeah, the last way I would describe him is soft-spoken. So you expect a very loud, obnoxious individual in your ears next week. <laughs> uh, no, Nate's cool. Nate has a very particular taste in film. If you've, He's on Letterboxd as well, but I don't remember what his name is. And he always watches... He's like the... He's the foreign... Uh, non-mainstream dude um with everything pretty much um so his his view is going to be very interesting and i know he's a listener too so um it'll be sweet to have him we can't we can't shit on him right now because he's probably listening (laughs) or just shit on him i don't know (laughs) you do you i guess Um, uh, but bicycle thieves is um (laughs) if you want to know what how important that movie is or if you care, um, it's on USC's. Uh, so when you get into the USC film school, they give you two lists. There is the um, required viewing, and there's the recommended viewing. And I'm pretty sure Bicycle Thieves is on the required viewing. Um, very, very famous movie. And I'm not too familiar with Ballast. Um, but Byron and Nate went back and forth on which one to pick. And they settled on that one. So cool. it'll be good. Um, So check out those two movies to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Diggity-diggity-bye. Scoobity-boop. Scoobity-boop-da. Just do some scat. (laughs) 